Hello friends, today we are going to talk about trauma. I hope it is informative and helpful. I would like to say that I am not your mental health professional and I probably don't know you personally, so this is just information. This is not uh, official counseling or advice from me, but I hope you enjoy what you're going to hear. Hi friends, this is Bethany Jennings, and you're listening to We Should Talk. It's a podcast where we talk about anything and everything to encourage, equip, and empower you to be a decent human. Let's talk. Hi friends, let's uh, dive right in. So this is going to be, um, I don't know, I'm going to try to make it orderly, but it's a very big topic. So, um, let's talk about the kinds of trauma. Um, so there is complex trauma. Complex trauma is, um, it, like it continues over and over again, uh, in an interpersonal relationship, like, um, abuse or violence in the home, bullying at school, that kind of thing. So complex means it is ongoing and repetitive and, um, yeah, it's complicated. It's complex. There is repetitive trauma, meaning trauma that continues over and over again, which is a lot like, um, complex trauma, except for that it's not necessarily like interpersonal relationships. So trauma that continues over and over again, the repetitive trauma is more like hospital procedures and, like you have to have multiple surgeries or you're undergoing chemotherapy or something like that. Um, so that's, you have to, you have to go back to that in order to, um, get better or whatever. So repetitive trauma, there is vicarious trauma, meaning you are a witness or a bystander to a traumatic event. Um, maybe you witness someone, you know, being abused or you witness someone. So you weren't the one being abused, but you had, you saw someone being bullied. You saw someone um, undergoing trauma. So that's vicarious trauma. Acute trauma is a um, is a single, like a single overwhelming traumatic episode, like a car accident or a house robbery or something of that nature. So it's a single incident um, as opposed to the complex trauma that we talked about first um, that is recurring. Uh, historical trauma um, historical trauma, uh, the literature says historical trauma is like racism or something like that. Um, maybe you've not experienced it yourself, but based on historical events, you experience fear in certain settings. Uh, and then developmental trauma. And we're, we're going to get more into that one. Uh, developmental trauma is obviously trauma during your childhood, like neglect, violence, abuse, witness to death, something like that. Okay, so talking about <clears throat> developmental trauma, meaning trauma that you experience um, in your childhood, um, let's talk about possible traumas. It's, I mean, there are very obviously typical traumas like... Um, abuse or neglect or things of that nature, obviously. 
but there are also things that may may not be quite so obvious. For example, uh, not being seen or heard or having a parent who is molding or shaping you because of their, their trauma that they've not healed. Um, having a parent who lives through you vicariously, like they didn't achieve certain goals, so they're pushing you to do it. Uh, being told certain emotions uh, make you weak or undesirable or like a complete lack of boundaries, like your parent coming to you about their marital issues or um, certain oversharing that is not appropriate at certain ages or them getting majorly involved in your um, your interpersonal relationships to, to a, a, an abnormal extent. Um, you could also have a parent who focuses on overcompensating for things that they lacked in their childhood, right? Um, there's, there's, a, there's a, a spectrum here, so you can lean too far to one side or to the other. So you can lean too far, you know, I had no discipline, so I've got to discipline you, or I had too much discipline, so I'm not going to discipline you. And so either way, the child ends up suffering. Um, having a parent who denies reality that you're going through, uh, having a parent who focuses very heavily on appearance, um, which again could go back to the vicarious, could go back to um, the, the lack of boundaries and you being able to express yourself in certain ways. Like, but, uh, focus on appearances in like your body has to look a certain way or you have to do your hair a certain way or, you know, things like that. Um, the Being emotional support for parents... I mean, that kind of goes back to the oversharing about their own issues um, or having a parent who can't regulate their own emotions. And so you kind of become the live-in therapist. Uh, You could, there are also like specific wounds that you could get into um, if you go really deep into the the developmental trauma. Um, There are father wounds and mother wounds. So father wounds, like that could show up as trust issues, right? Like if your father wasn't really present in your life or... um, you experience a lack of trust towards yourself and others now because of that. Um, a lot of times it, that'll show up as you attracting people who mirror your lack of trust in you, right? So you'll attract people who also don't trust and that makes for a very, very tough relationship. Uh, another father wound is um, the not good enough wound. So if your father was very hard on you, this can look like you not feeling good enough or you not feeling worthy, feeling like you always want more and you're never happy with what you have, like you're never, ever satisfied. Uh, abandonment issues is another father wound. If your father, not just like he physically left, but even emotionally, if he wasn't emotionally available or he was absent, this this can show up as attracting emotionally unavailable people. Uh, relationships often burn out after a while and you get, you're quick on to the next one and you feel afraid to be by yourself, but you also fear being left. And so you're constantly cycling relationships through your life and holding on to nothing because you don't want to be left so you're going to leave first. And so... It is a terrible, terrible cycle. Abandonment issues are real. 
Uh, and then, of, of course, a father would be abused. You know, if you watched your father abuse your mother or experienced abuse from him yourself, then you may think, you know, that's how a relationship is supposed to be. If he's very controlling or dominating, you may have suppressed your feelings or something like that, or, or you struggle to set boundaries. That's a very big deal in any healthy relationship is to have boundaries and to respect boundaries. I'm sorry, I can't talk right now. Have and respect your own boundaries and the boundaries of others. So when they say you got daddy issues, that's actually a real thing. Um, but they don't really call them daddy issues, right? <laughs> um, you can also have a mother wound, right? And they could be very similar, Um but this is what they would look like. So if your mother was super critical, you you have a very loud inner critic. Like you're always criticizing yourself in your brain. If your mother was unapproving, you probably feared judgment. Um, if your mom was like super passive aggressive, then you lack confidence in your own judgment or in your own decisions. Um, if your mother was unavailable, you may not be able to express or even understand your emotions because you didn't see that modeled. If your mother was codependent, you were never really allowed to set boundaries without feeling guilty, then you're gonna have really weak boundaries as an adult. Um, if your mother was controlling, then you immediately default to the most rebellious option available in your adult life. Um, and if your mom was pessimistic, then you are prone to self-sabotage. So, back at trauma, these are all things that can happen developmentally, right? In developmental trauma. So, let's look at those again. So, the trauma types are complex trauma, meaning like it's ongoing with an interpersonal relationship. It's, there's a repetitive trauma, so, you, like, the chemotherapy, something like that. Um, there is vicarious trauma. I mean, you are traumatized because you had to watch someone else experience trauma. Um, acute trauma, meaning it's like a single incident, like a car accident, something of that nature. Uh, historical trauma and then developmental trauma, which we just <laughs> kind of deep-dived into uh, there on the side. So, let's talk about... So we talk about what trauma is, well, like what it can look like, where it can come from. I feel like it's very important to note that trauma is not just, oh, my feelings get ruffled. You know what I mean? It's more than that. Like trauma literally affects the, like it affects your brain, your act, the actual organ, the brain. So a lot of times when you recall traumatic events, the part of your brain that would light up just to think about a memory, a happy memory, that part of the brain don't even light up. What lights up, what really is active, not lights up, but what is activated when you are thinking of a traumatic event is the survival mode portion. So trauma and brain development is very very connected like it's they're not two separate things they're very connected so typically typically the, the the top tier like how your brain would function the most would be cognition 
and then social emotional and then regulation and then survival mode, right? But instead what happens is it's literally, when you have developmental trauma, it's literally inverted. And so cognition is the smallest portion and it's almost like constant survival mode. So instead of it being cognition's the highest or the biggest portion, it's cognition's the smallest in developmental trauma. Um, and survival's the biggest. So instead of cognition, social, emotional regulation, and then survival, it flips and it's like, oh my gosh, I gotta survive, I gotta survive, I gotta survive. And I, then you regulate and then social, emotional, and then you're actually thinking things through. And so brain development and experiencing trauma during those times is huge. So that's on the developmental side, but even with acute trauma, even with a single incident, your brain does not function the same as it pertains to that event. It is very, very much a scientific and biological thing going on with your body as it pertains to trauma. So what is happening? Like, what is happening? Why is your body doing what it's doing? So there are four main trauma responses. When you experience a trauma, people call, I was triggered, which by the way, is extremely overused. It's like a catchphrase now. It's like a, what's that word? <laughs> like, it's just like a, a, people just throw it out there. Like it's just trendy at this point. Not everything is a trigger. We need to be very careful how we use that terminology because honestly, it's inappropriate to use it when it's not really triggering you towards some kind of emotional stress. So anyways, there are four major trauma responses when someone is triggered. There's fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Now, fight or flight, we're pretty much like we oh man, my fight or flight was up. I didn't know what I was going to do, right? So we're pretty much, we're accustomed to hearing those. And freeze is pretty obvious. And then there's that other one, fawn. So let's talk about what we do know first, something that we are familiar with. So fight. The fight response is like you're angry. You feel like you're entitled to retribution and you're very aggressive and you're just attack mode and you want to control every situation um, or you bully to get what you want, right? If you feel like you are threatened, then if you choose the fight response, if your body's choosing the fight response, it could look like any of those things. Anger, entitlement, aggression, attacking, controlling, or bullying. If you choose flight response, um, if your body is saying, well, we should roll out of here, right? We should <laughs> fly out of here. Then it'll look like anxiety, uh, fear, and panic, Avoiding, avoiding things, avoiding certain situations, certain settings, uh, constant worrying, um, perfectionism, actually. A lot of people don't talk about that. Perfectionism is like, well, it's not perfect yet. I can't put it out. It's not perfect yet. I can't. I, it has to be just right. It has to be just right. It's because you're not really wanting to go into that setting. You're avoiding it. Um, or you're always busy, right? You're real flighty. You know what I mean? Always busy, preoccupied. You're not engaging where you're at. That is actually a flight response. Um, there is, of course, freeze. So fight, flight, and here's freeze. Freeze is like, I think a lot of people do this. They don't even realize what they're doing. They, like being a couch potato. Like you don't want to do anything. Or you just, you're collapsed. Like 
collapse physically or you become extremely depressed or you feel extreme shame. Uh, You begin to disassociate with certain people. Like if you're in a setting and it's just too much, you become disassociated. Um, And you can also be extremely indecisive. Like, I don't know what to choose. I don't know what to choose. You, you have frozen um, as a, as a uh, response to trauma triggering. And then there's fawn. So this is the one that honestly is not really talked about a whole lot, in my opinion. I think it's becoming more talked about, but not the other three are more talked about. I'll, I'll leave it. I think anyways. Um, so fawn is like people-pleasing. I was just fawning over you, right? So people-pleasing or trying your best to avoid conflict at all costs or having zero boundaries or not knowing how to say no to certain commitments. Um, You prioritize others over your own needs. Um, Excessive flattery, just like compliment after compliment. after. Like, don't get me wrong. I like a good compliment. (laughs) But at some point, it almost loses its value when it's all you do. Because it's not really you trying to appreciate me. It's you responding to not wanting to be disliked. And so that would be fawning or um, exploiting certain, you know, emotions of other people. Just doting over them. But not really for them. It's for your own comfort. So those are the trauma responses. Now, they can look like different things. Like... It could be procrastination. It could be feeling like you're not good enough. Your thoughts are everywhere. You need to plan everything. You have trouble focusing, so it's brain fog. Or you don't want to ask for help. You don't want to be a bother. Um, You have a fear of success, and so you self-sabotage. Remember, we talked about that earlier with one of the parent wounds. Um, Fear, yeah, fear of failure, and so you don't, you don't want to mess up, so you don't even try. But then on the flip side, the fear of success is I don't want to be too good. Then I have to live up to that. Neither of those are healthy. Everybody talks about fear of failure. Nobody wants to talk about fear of success. Like, oh, no, what if I'm really good and then I have to keep being really good? (laughs) That's actually, it can be a a trauma response. And just being resistant or defiant. Everything's just no, no matter what. Um, Now, some people... I have started understanding their body's responses to the traumas. And so they'll do what's called trauma blocking. Um, and that's trauma blocking is like, like an excessive. I'll give you some examples. So trauma blocking is like an excessive use of social media or compulsive mindless scrolling or and that's part of that disassociation, right? we talked about earlier um for for people who do drink alcohol it'd be binge drinking you know you're off work it's time to drink right or um excessive mindless eating oh my goodness we we were like oh no not the drinking but we talk about the eating we're like oh that seems normal (laughs) it's not normal so excessive or mindless eating even when you're not actually hungry That could be trauma blocking. You're trying to distract yourself from the trauma. Uh, Compulsive exercising to reach a goal that you're you're never satisfied with. That's part of that never being satisfied we talked about. Um, I think we talked about that with uh, some of the parent wounds. And so we look at certain things 
let me just pause here. We look at certain things and we're like, oh, yeah, but that's also pretty okay because exercising is good for you. Well, too much of a good thing is not a good thing. <laughs> so you can you can exercise to the point of hurting yourself, right? You, and even if you don't hurt yourself physically, you become mentally consumed with appearance. You become mentally consumed with achieving some kind of goal you've set for yourself. And as soon as you hit the goal, you're like, ah, that's not good enough. And you push yourself even further. Again, just because it's not something that, you know, society may label as inappropriate, like drug use, doesn't mean it's good for you. Um, so anyways, uh, being uncomfortable with being alone is another way to block. So being comfortable being alone and so you stay in a toxic relationship or you always need a project. You've always got to be working on something. You can't just sit with yourself because then your thoughts show up and you don't want to deal with them. Um, compulsive online shopping, believe it or not, compulsive shopping can be a response for trauma block. Like it it's a way you can try to block that trauma to not think about it. Um, and then you end up in debt and then you have more stress on you. And it honestly, it's amazing. It is amazing how much of our body, how much of our, how much our body affects like what our brain, like it's an interpersonal, it's a not interpersonal. It is a, um, interdependent relationship there your body and your mind and how how we react to things and what we do on the physical side and the stressors that come on with that and I don't know anyways I'm rambling let's move on also becoming a workaholic having poor boundaries for your work including being available 24 7 oh nobody wants to talk about it but being quote-unquote available 24 7 meaning you don't know how to turn off that phone because you don't want people to abandon, like, abandon you or think that you don't need them or something like that. You know what I mean? It's all trauma responses, friends, even if we don't want to admit it. Those, those are things we do to block trauma responses, rather. So what should we do instead? Instead of blocking the trauma... We need to work on processing the trauma. It's very difficult to do that because that means you actually have to feel your feelings and know what to do with them. So just some things to consider. Maybe it's not you, but maybe you know someone who has been through some traumatic events and maybe they do have some trauma. And this may help you to sympathize with them. Even if you can't empathize, you can sympathize with them. Um, Again, remember me talking about your brain different parts of your brain activate when you recall a trauma than if you're just recalling a normal memory. So here's, here's what you need to realize. Your nervous system has been basically hijacked and it's not your fault. And even if you can't understand it, like why you're acting, though, you're, you are reacting. Understand that your body is acting. Your body is responding, even if you can't understand it. Um, Your body is doing its best to keep you safe as best it knows how. Uh, and so talk yourself through that, right? So, okay, my nervous system's been hijacked. I may not understand what's going on right now with my body, 
but it's trying to keep me safe. I need to look after myself. Like, remember that, think, okay, this isn't, this isn't going to be forever. This feeling's going to pass. And it's very important when this is happening that before, before this is happening, you have a safety plan. So I know when I'm feeling this way, I actually need to respond this way. When, when I feel like I need to fly, like I have flight response, I need to be still. When I feel like I have the fight response, I need to be still. Don't immediately react. Think about what actually needs to happen. And then once you realize, okay, my, my nervous system is hijacked. My body's trying to protect me. Um, I'm trying to take care of myself. It's okay. It won't last. To help it pass then, ground your senses. Um, I've experienced this a lot of times with disassociation. I get overstimulated in really large settings or really loud settings, um, which is, can seem really odd because, <laughs> you know, my whole life I've traveled uh, with dad or, you know, now I travel with David or I travel to speak or sing at stuff on my own. And so it seems strange that I would become overstimulated or overwhelmed in large crowds or in loud settings. But I do, I've become, it doesn't have to be like church, but it can even be like a restaurant where the music's extremely loud or there's multiple TVs going like a Buffalo Wild Wings, something like that. I can become very overwhelmed. And so I have to ground myself. I know there, there are different things. Called ground. I don't mean like go outside and find some grass to put my feet in. That's not what I mean. I mean, like ground your senses, breathe, co-regulate, and then get support for that. So what can we, what are different ways that we can actually ground? What is grounding? First of all, grounding is, um, it's like using techniques to help your nervous system. It helps us connect the here and now instead of the there and then that may come up during a traumatic event or traumatic trigger. Um, It helps us connect our five senses when we feel things are kind of getting out of our control. Um, You can use grounding when you notice you're beginning to disassociate. That's what I was talking about before. I do that not necessarily as a trauma response, but just because I get overstimulated. Um, When a trigger is present or you're experiencing intrusive thoughts or memories. Because, I mean, you could be sitting there and just out of nowhere intrusive thoughts happen. Um, I know when when I had onyx, you know, in that postpartum phase, it wasn't really postpartum depression, but it was like there are intrusive thoughts and people don't talk about it. People should talk about like, they call it the fourth trimester, which is so funny because, you know, tri means three anyways. But the fourth trimester, people don't really talk about it a whole lot. But there's stuff going on with your brain because of the chemicals in your body. And so I'd just be sitting there loving on my baby. And then all of a sudden, the worst thought would pop in my mind. And I'd be like, oh, my goodness, I can't take it. And then I'd start crying. So anyways, you can use grounding techniques when intrusive thoughts happen. One thing to to remember about intrusive thoughts, also sidebar, is that they're intrusive. You don't own them. They're not there. When, when an intruder comes into your home, they don't belong there. And so they're not really your thoughts. They're intrusive thoughts. And so don't feel like a horrible person when you think them. Just reprogram, like reroute your brain and ground yourself in reality, the here and now, not the there and then. Um, so this is our five senses. So let's talk about our five senses and what that can look like. So 
sound. Hearing is a sense, right? So things I can do to ground for sound would be like listen to loud music or even soft music if that helps. Uh, call someone to hear the, just hear the loved one's voice. Um, put on like ambient music or sounds like waves or rain or a fireplace. I pretty much live with fireplace sounds. I have my, our sleep machine does fireplace sounds and that's what I love to listen to or read something aloud to yourself, right? This isn't disassociating. This is grounding. This is actually using your senses. Um, what about taste? Uh, taste. You can chew a mint or some cinnamon gum. That's like a very, a very intense flavor. Um, or eat something spicy. I could sign up for that one. I love eating spicy food. Um, or just put some chocolate in your mouth and just let it melt. Like, don't just chomp it down, but just let it melt in your mouth and enjoy it, right? Uh, touch. Hold an ice cube. This is, people don't really think about it, but touch is very important. I, I, maybe I feel that way because that's my, my number one love language is physical touch. But because it's so important to me that when a loved one touches me, it's also very important to me when someone I'm not comfortable with touches me. And so I'm like, eh, I'd rather you not. But if I love you and I know you and I feel safe with you, that's totally fine. So touch. Um, you can hold an ice cube until it melts. Um, take, go take a shower. Um, hug a pet. Hug, you know, go play with your dog. Hug a loved one. Um, or like just get something that's got a really obvious texture like a a velvet or a fur or a silk or something like that. Just something that the texture will kind of bring you back to, to the present. Um, smell. Go smell your favorite essential oil. I know we got lots of essential oil users out there. Go smell an essential oil. Go light a scented candle or um, smell something that reminds you of a good memory, right? I remember the smell of my papa's after shaving coffee every morning I woke up in their house. And that brings back a good memory for me. Um, or sight. Take inventory of what's around you. Notice, like, look around the room. Name the things around you. Um, you could, you know, people, people will often turn to their phones and be like, well, let me just scroll. No, that's, that's kind of disassociating as well. So it's, I feel like there are better options as far as that. A lot of times with sight, we immediately think, oh, let me go to my phone and look at something. Mm, that's kind of still you getting away from the present. Um, and one thing to remember about this is everybody is different. And what works for you could be something, might be something I didn't even talk about. It could be something else. And you'll just have to work it out. The people that you suggest it to will have to work it out with what, what works for them. And, um, anyway, so that's grounding. Um, of course you can always try therapies if you need it. I, I am definitely pro professional help. If that is something that you, your family, your leadership agrees with. Basically the whole goal of trauma therapy is to reduce the impact of the trauma so a lot of times when we experience a trauma, remember we talk about the inverted uh, needs, like instead of the cognition and then the social emotional, and then the, and then we're on survival mode. Um, 
instead of it being inverted, it's kind of like that where we think everything is survival mode because the trauma is affecting everything. It's affecting our our self-respect. It's affecting our positive emotions. It's respecting our our healthy attachment to people. And so that overpowers all of the other things. Well, trauma therapy is not necessarily, the goal is not to completely take away the trauma. We can't just like, you can't just remove memories from your brain. (laughs) I mean, maybe if there's like a certain alien that can, but so far as I know, humans can't just remove certain memories from brains. So it's not to reduce, like, it's not to eliminate it, but to understand that it is trauma, but it's not life. Because what happens is we let the, tra- the, the trauma and the, the event or events, depending on the type of trauma, rule our lives. And we let it just take over every decision and every relationship. And so instead of letting it be the boss, the therapy kind of helps us learn how to put it in its place the impact of the trauma instead of affecting everything we can we can put it in one area and say okay this happened to me but this is not define me this is not going to determine how i live my life this trauma happened to me but i'm not going to let it keep me from having healthy relationships and i'm not going to let it affect my positive emotions nonstop and i'm i'm not going to f- let it affect my health for the rest of my life that's very very important Um, and so if you need help, get help. So like I said, (laughs) trauma is a huge topic and this has been a longer than normal episode, but, um, I still don't think I covered everything, but, um, if you have questions or if there's things you want to ask, you know how to reach out, you know how to let me know that. Um, again, you can always hit me up on Instagram if you'd like to Bethany Lane Jennings, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y-L-A-Y-N-E-J-E-N-N-I-N-G-S. Um, hit me up in the in my inbox or if, if I, you know, happen to post, what would you like to hear about? Feel free to ask me. And um, again, I'll do everything I can to help you be a good human. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Well, that was fun. Uh, I'm glad you stuck around for the whole thing. And thank you for talking to me today. Y'all go like and follow and review and do all the podcast things that people do. And um, don't forget to be a good human.